0: Hey, this is Pastor Roy Barrett from Discover Life Church. Thank you for joining today's podcast. Now let's get ready to be transformed, have our hearts encouraged, and live the life God has created us to live. Enjoy today's teaching. There's a lot percolating in me that I feel like God is speaking to this ministry as relates to, you know, us individually as believers attached to Discover Life Church, as well as just to our ministry as a whole about who we are and where we're going. And if you know me, I am not, um, how can I say this? I'm not someone who throws out religious cliches loosely. That's why you really don't hear me say too much that God said. You hear me use things more, Paul, like, you know, I just feel impressed of the Lord because I… I, I, I love God too much, and I have a healthy fear of God to just stand behind a pulpit every time and say, God said, God said, God said, God said. I don't see that in Scripture. I see more about you just led by the Spirit of God, and you make decisions, and then God validates the decision and direction, and then you recognize, well, maybe that was God who actually told me to go this way. Um, and so, Okay, y'all quiet. But um, one of the things that was fascinating, I left service Probably two weeks ago, and I was in my office. My routine is to go home and kind of decompress because my personality is not one that I like crowds. It takes a lot for me to to do a Sunday message because my natural temperament is I'm a loner. And so I have to decompress um, when I get through preaching. And sometimes decompression can take me to 12 o'clock midnight. Just to decompress and get back to myself. I'm looking at Latona Disher, who you know, who's known me a long time. I'm I'm loner, so this this is work for me. And so I was I was a couple of weeks ago. I'm sitting in the desk. I'm in my office, and I start feeling this feeling like I'm like I've done something wrong. And I'm and now I feel like I'm about to cry. And I feel like I'm about and I started feeling like I'm about to cry. So I'm just like God, you know. Did I preach wrong? Did I do something wrong? Did I, did I speak in a way that was insulting to you, offensive to you? Um, so I'm going through all of this, Tanisha, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just, I'm just feeling like, God, don't leave me. I'm, starting. I'm like, God, I don't want your presence to leave. If I'm sorry, if you tell me, I'll repent. And he was like, nothing is wrong. And I'm like, okay, then why do I feel like I feel like I'm about to cry and I'm, I'm about to start grieving? And he says, you're misreading me. He was like, you haven't done anything wrong. He says, today, Discover Life Church changed this diet. He says, the diet of the ministry changed, so you can no longer talk to them at a certain level. Now you got to talk to them at a level because they are growing, and you're grieving the transition from them being at one stage to the next stage. And I say that because now the messages has to get heavier and weightier. So now the messages has to get heavier and weightier. And so that's where we're going. I believe that's why God has us getting ready to go into a new series. All of that to say, go Mark chapter number 10, verse 45. When you're there, say, I've got it. I'm not talking just to give you time to get there. And for my, for my, um, what's this thing called? iPad. Yeah to load up. So I guess I got to give it to you, Eric, to figure out what's the hole up. Uh-oh. Verse 45, verse 45, NIV version. All right, let's go. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Do you see that? Okay, let's read verse 45 out loud together in concert. One, two, three, read. Go with me to the gospel according to St. John, the gospel according to St. John, chapter number 13, John 13. When you're there, say, I've got it. Yeah, I'll turn quick. Now, it's funny, some of y'all be saying, I got it, the pages are still turning. <laughs> That's a faith confession, you got okay, I got you. All right, it was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Not just my feet, but my hands, my head, my toes, my ears, everything as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that is why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so Amen. Amen. We're going to start a new series entitled Missing in Action. I guarantee you it's not what you're probably thinking, so just just suspend your conclusion. Father, thank you for wisdom and revelation. Help me, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I shared this last week that recently during a time of prayer, um, the Lord just impressed on my heart some powerful and insightful words when he just simply told me many people are frustrated in life and with their lives because they're missing in action. Many people are frustrated in life and with their lives because they're missing in action. And those words are really the foundation and the inspiration for this series. When you hear the phrase missing in action, it's has with military people in our congregation. Of course, the first thing comes to mind with missing in action is not Chuck Norris. <laughs> Some of y'all don't, you'll get it later. But it's the recognition that when that term missing in action is used, it's it's a way of saying that somebody in the military cannot be verified or confirmed as being dead or alive. Missing in action. We can't verify, we can't certify, we can't confirm that they are dead or alive. And whenever someone is missing in action, their family, their friends, the military, the nation, the country, is then forced to rely on suspicion, assumption, and even guessing. Don't know what is happening, don't know what's going on. And I don't know about you, but real fast, one of the worst states to be in is when you don't know one way or the other and you don't have any definitive information. I'd rather you tell me something is dead as opposed to me living with the suspense on what's going on. That's why I don't like going to the doctor to take a test on Friday and they're going to tell me they're going to give me the results on next Wednesday. It's like, no, nah, if I take the test right now, can, I, can we get the answer right? Don't send me home talking about wait over the week. Okay, why y'all look at me like that? Because why? It's the suspense of not knowing. Come on, a good horror movie is built upon the suspense of not knowing. track. let me just give you a look. thank you, hard. Uh, of course. Just, just Why was Jaws so successful It's not, it's it's the music, even though it's not classified as a horror movie, it was the first movie where the main um, draw or the main attraction is not seen for over one hour. That you know what's doing it, who's doing it, but you don't get to see him for over an hour. And so the suspense that causes you to wonder how the shark looks, how big is the shark, is what holds you in confusion, in fear, in worry for one out because you don't know. And watch this. And that's what happens in life. Something can have you in a suspense mode because you can't certify is it dead or alive. Is this dream dead or is this dream alive? Is this business dead or is it alive? God, speak to it. Just let me know. And in the absence, here's one of my best quotes, in the absence of information, it always gives rise to suspicion. And human nature's default is to assume the worst. And so we end up becoming missing in action. And now, here's what I want to drive home. We judge something as being absent or present based upon physical sight. I know you're here today because I can see you. But in God... Absent and present don't start with physical sight. It starts with the condition of the heart. Okay, I'm I'm trying to teach you to take my time. We judge someone as being absent and present based upon, we can see them. You go to class, you got teachers in here, you know, they call your name. They say, Daryl Joseph, he say, here, they can see him. All right, so he's here. Jason Howard, here, they can see him. Shamar, here, see her. God doesn't judge absent or present by physical sight. He judged absent and present based upon the heart. So, so now I come to church and I'm here. We say you're at church and God says, but their heart's still home in the bed. And so now we say, but they raised their hand in worship, but God says, but their heart never got here. So it's just like they were never here. So, but they did all the church stuff and God says they were missing in action. Because watch this, because they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Okay, am I making sense? And so everything about this series is focusing and designed to help us not to just be busy in life, doing a lot of things, going a lot of places. And God tell us you're missing in action. You are busy. I'm busy. We're going a lot of places, doing a lot of things. But then God looks at the heart and say, but you're not there where you should be. It's kind of like, especially in relationships, when the wife, you know, looks at the husband and go like, are you here? And you go, yeah, I'm here. And she's going like, no, you ain't. You like, But yes, I am here. And she, because because, you know, when I, when I talk with some guys, I say one of the things, remember, women are feelers, men are doers. So if she don't feel you, you ain't there. Come on, ladies. When I'm, when I'm trying to help you get healthy relationships, you, now, y'all miss your cues. And so now y'all missing your cues. Come on. If she, if she can't feel you, she, you ain't there. So this is why you can buy her a house, but if you ain't there emotionally in the house, you ain't home. What makes the home fuck well, Let me go. See you yeah. Our challenge is that we forget that we're not human doers, but we're human beings. So God don't want you and not to just simply watch this, go through life without ever having a life. And so I want to make sure as we go through this series, none of us are found absent. That we don't lose anyone in life as God begins to move us to the next season. That we're missing in action, and so here's where many of you are. And we're going to start. If I'm talking to you already, just raise your hand. Let me know. All right. Watch this. We're going to talk about M ministry in God. And I know the first thing comes to mind when we hit ministry in God is I want to know what's my ministry. Is it children? Is it youth? Is it is it marriage ministry? Is it outreach ministry? Is it social media ministry? Is it the singing? And, and all of those are good questions and good prayer requests. But I believe what God is putting his finger on, the real issue that he wants to address is that your overall sense of knowing your ministry will not fully happen, become certified or validated until I can deal with your attitude about ministry. Because why? He's like, I don't want to start with what you do. I want to start with how you think. OK, let me come to this side that I, I want to start with the overall attitude about me, because many of us rightfully so. God, just show me what to do and I'll do it. God, just show me how you wired me, show you who you called me um, to be. And what and God says, I got to start with the heart first, because I'm looking at the heart before I look at your hands. Thank you, Melinda. It's quiet. So here's a definition for ministry. Ministry in the simplest terms is this. To meet the needs of others. Try to try to not complicate this. I'm not, not trying to give you the Hebrew, the Greek, the Aramaic. Ministry is simply me. It's to meet the need of others. It's using how God formed me, how God shaped me, how God wired me, everything God gave me to build up and bless up others. Ministry is never God approved if it doesn't build up somebody else. So this is why ministry at its best and at its simplest is did I leave somebody built up in faith and in their confidence in God? It's kind of like when Paul talks about how to work on your communication. He says your communication should be done in such a way that it edifies the other person. It's not about how you talk. It's about. Can you talk in a way that blesses them? Do I do I say it in a way that blesses them? Well, I just need to say this is how I always talk. And this is why you always got fractured relationships. Because communication isn't about getting something off your chest. It's about communicating in such a way that they can hear so y'all don't have to keep repeating the same drama. So that means you got to change your tone, change how you say it. That's And that's what ministry is, is meeting the needs of others. Watch this. I'm going to try to pick up the pace a little bit. The reason this becomes important is because God has called everybody to minister. The expression of your ministry looks different. But everybody is called to minister because minister means to serve. It means to meet the needs of others. And everybody can meet somebody else's needs. And what happens is if I'm going to avoid becoming missing in action, then I got to make sure I'm found in ministry, which is a heart issue. To be found in ministry is a heart issue because the principle of, of serving, the principle of your ministry in God is this. You do not and I do not strive for greatness. You serve to greatness. OK. All right. You see, you don't strive for Greatness. You serve to greatness. You serve to greatness. So, and you know, if, if in the old way, I think they have changed it now. I don't know if it still applies. In the old volleyball way uh, of playing volleyball, you do not get points if you're not serving. So you can never win in life if you don't have a serving attitude. All right. I know. I see. So you can't win if you don't want to serve. And so what happens is God promotes and, pro- and gives progress to the attitude of servanthood. And in God, ministry, the attitude of ministry is that you're on 24-7. See, I, I, try- I want to make sure I can get through the whole message, Kareem, but I got to lay this heavy foundation because we often think ministry and compartmentalization is what I do at church. But when, but when God says, I want you to know your ministry, he's saying, I want you to stop putting ministry in a box and recognize that ministry in my kingdom is 24-7. Ministry is how you act at home. Ministry is how you act at your job. Ministry is how you act in your neighborhood. Ministry is how you do it at church. Ministry is how you act in environments that people don't even want me. You're never off ministry. You're never out of ministry. Ooh. And so what happens is if we compartmentalize our lives, now we're frustrated because we're doing a lot of things and we don't see the fruit of our labor and we're frustrated. And God says, oh, but you left your heart for ministry at DLC. You didn't think when you came to work you were still supposed to minister. And this is what we're learning, and this is what we're going to be unpacking. If we, if you keep your Bibles open. I'm just going to walk through some stuff. Jesus is about three days away from his crucifixion. Now, I, I've said it before. If you don't know what he went through with crucifixion, you, have to, you need to really do a, a search on all that he went through. I don't, don't, get, don't get it twisted. Andrew, don't, don't let nobody tell you somebody has ever faced what Jesus faced in the period of about 48 hours. No, no human being has ever faced that and will ever face the type of torture he went through to redeem us. He's about three days robbing from that. And instead of thinking about all of that, he is thinking, how can I make sure before my crucifixion, my burial and resurrection and my ascension, how can I make sure these knuckleheads don't be missing in action when it comes to me entrusting them with the world? How can I? And he's got it and he gives them a visible sermon. He takes off his outer garments, and he begins to wash their feet. Taking off his outer garments, putting a towel around him, meant he took on the form of a servant, and he began to wash their feet to give them a visible demonstration of what ministry is all about and how to know their ministry. Long before you get to the book of Acts and Galatians where Paul would start, rec- well, where um, Peter and John and James can say, we got a ministry to the Jews. And Paul, you got ministry to the Gentiles long before they got their individual unique call. And Jesus says, here's the foundation right here. I need you to get the attitude that ministry is a lifestyle and that your heart has to be engaged in it. Because watch this, because Judas. Did all the ministry stuff, but was never found in ministry. He did all the ministry stuff, but wasn't found in ministry, and the writers would later come back and say he was never a part of ministry. So it's possible to do the church stuff and never be a part of the church. Uh-huh. So he took on the role of a servant. Became a slave. I know that's a dirty word for African-Americans, but it is what it is. He became a slave. And he was teaching them about how to avoid becoming missing in action. And you're going to love me for this. Our presence is deemed present by us cleaning and clearing the dirt off people's lives. Because he washed their feet. Because in those days, you didn't have tennis shoes. You didn't have no Nikes. You didn't have Air Force Ones. You, you, You got dirt. Red clay dud. And everybody didn't have lotion. <laughs> there, there, what, there, there wasn't, <laughs> you was not know to take your feet, put them in some water, and let somebody, you know, clip the toenail. It, it that's why only a slave did it. And he washed their feet because he wanted, <laughs> he wanted to clean them from what they had walked through. Awesome. And he says, The way I know you are present is when you use your words and works to clean somebody from what they've had to walk through in life. Where I can use you to get the stains off their yesterday. See, so this is why when people often say, you know, I just need to leave this job, I'm ready to go. The question becomes, have you washed people's feet with your words? and your works with your attitude and action. And if you didn't wash somebody's feet at the job that you're cursing and trying to leave, why should God give you another job where you ain't going to wash nobody's feet at that job? Amen. Boy, it is quiet. Am I making sense, K- KD? Because it's, it's quiet now. And so I told you the message, got, see, ain't, ain't, ain't no more little now. And that's children's church. They, grow, they growing them up in children's church, too, because everybody getting this. So I just want to tell you, how do I know when I'm in ministry? I'm serving in such a way that God knows that I'm not missing in action. I'm just going to give you four, and I'll be out your way. You guys ready? There's no judgment, no condemnation. It's being present because I don't want anyone. PK said it this way when I was bouncing some off. She says, I don't want, she said it this way. She's like, I don't want one person lost on my watch. That's not a physical thing. That's a heart thing. When we, when God moves us corporately, we won't look back and see everybody have moved with us. That not one heart is missing in action, but all of us are together. So here we go. Number one, how do I know I want to be found present and counted? Watch this. I have to. (laughs) I got to know. Number one, when serving endures beyond my feelings. When serving endures beyond my feelings. Endures beyond my feelings. Jesus washed their feet to show them the full extent of his love for them until the end. To show them the full extent of his love for them until the end. Now, until the end, which means you got to go to the beginning. What is the beginning with them having the meal right now? No, Sherry, he's talking about I've loved you from day one. So think about Jesus' interaction with the disciples for three years. How many times he had to rebuke them? How many times he had to correct them? How many times he had to repeat a message to them? Think about for three years up and down with them boys, having faith, not having faith, trusting, not trusting, having fear, being slow, not comprehending from day one. But yet says he washed their feet to show them how much he loved them. He served them. He ministered to them to show them that my service to you and meeting your needs is not based upon how I feel about you. True ministry happens when the absence of feelings doesn't exceed the presence of love. Am I making sense, Melinda? True ministry happens when the absence of feelings does not exceed the presence of love. What do you mean? The more the love of God fills my heart, I don't need to have certain feelings about you that are positive for me to meet your needs. Thank you, Shy town See, we wait for a feeling before we want to serve. But what happens when that feeling doesn't come? So if I don't feel like going to church, do you know coming to church is a way of meeting God's need of serving him, of expressing love to him? See, coming to church is an expression by which I come to say, God, not a need like he's insecure, but it becomes the expression that, God, I want to show you how much I am here to meet whatever need you want to accomplish. Because if there's a need that God has, he need a person to do it. But if I don't feel like doing it, what I'm saying is my feelings rule me more than his love inside of me. This is why this message goes way beyond just what you do in church. I don't always feel like serving my wife. Both of us can have a long day and it's like, what are the kids going to eat? I don't know. I ain't thought about it. Well, I ain't either. So I guess they're going to starve (laughs) today. In the absence of feeling, the the love of God has to fill my heart so that even when, watch this, if God's love Is not stronger than my feeling, then I'll always give in to weariness. Who don't get tired? Who don't get weary? All that means is, God, I need you to fill me with your love. We are compelled by his love and constrained by his love. And so it challenges me to make sure that my feelings do not become the barometer for my level of engagement more than the love of God. Ooh! I, it, it is quite. It is quite. It got to endure past my feelings. Look, sometimes you ain't feeling your kids. Crystal told a couple one time. She said, "They're like, y'all gonna have more kids?" Before I can respond, she said, "Let me tell you something. Teenagers is the best birth control." <laughs> She like teenagers are the best birth control you can ever find. I like okay. It has to endure beyond feeling. And so if I'm not gonna be found missing in action, then I gotta make sure that I endure past my feeling. I'm looking at James. Part of his calling is life um, is not only to be a student of God's word, it's to be a coach. And to be a coach means he got to do with he got to deal with people who gonna tell him knuckleheads they know the plays better than him, and he has and he's gonna be challenged. Okay, forget y'all. No, he's gonna have to be able to minister. Watch this to the assumption that they know what's best. Wow. Pass the feelings, and then God says you present. Watch this, because ministry really doesn't happen till your flesh dies. Because until flesh dies, that's only when the spirit can come. Endure past feelings. Number two, watch this. Making sure his love, his love influences me more than my feelings. Number two, when ministry emerges from my natural instincts. Ministry emerges from my natural instincts. Nowhere in the text. I got my scholars in here. Moses and James and Will and Boki and all y'all and Jason and, um, and Eric. Got all my scholars. Nowhere in the text do you read. Jonathan, that Jesus was told to minister or to wash their feet. Nowhere in the text do you see it. He simply got up and did it. (laughs) Which means servanthood was a natural instinct. So you can have this one free of no charge. God's goal for our life is that serving isn't just a reactive act but instinctive behavior. See, the goal of God is for us to not just react, but to get to the place where we're instinctively doing what God would do. So that's why I tell you, you've heard me say it before. it It was a good fad to always, well, what would Jesus do? Well, what would Jesus do? That was good, but it became perverted to always, well, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? That you can't get stuck there because if you got to keep pondering what would Jesus do, then that means you're not growing to the place that His nature is ruling more than your reason and your rationale. Because a habit means it's an unconscious response, and God wants us to grow to the point that servanthood and doing ministry is just an unconscious—it's re- a reflex. We, when our kids were in Boy Scouts and we were um, at an event. And there was a table, it, it was a reception at the end of the year, and there was a table, um, and it was all the, I don't even know the words, when you bring everybody in Boy Scouts together, Is that that's not a troop. Um, it's a troop? Okay, when the whole troop and everybody got together, and they did the things, Paul, and after they did the prayers and stuff, and they said, now go eat. Now you're about to tell over 75, 9, 10, 11-year-olds to go to a table and just get all the food that's spread out And so we're just like, this ain't going to be nice. So PK and I went over to the table and started organizing some stuff and started helping put food on the kids' plates. Another African-American young lady who was there whose son was in the troop with one of our boys came to us and kind of was like, what y'all doing? And we're just like, just trying to make sure things go smooth and orderly. And she's like, did they ask y'all to do that? We're like, no. And she was just like, "Well, why are y'all doing it?" We was like, "Because serving comes natural to us." And the reason I'm i I'm, I'm not listen. What I'm getting at when I say comes from our natural instinct, I am getting at the fact that you and I gotta stop seeing ministering to others and serving others as an intrusion in our life. I know it's quiet as an interruption to our life. Now, watch this. How can you love God and hate people? So John Maxwell writes in one of his books that when he brought on not Tim, come on, come on, help me out, Latona. uh, uh, Dan Ryland, Dan Ryland on his staff when they first got here, that he passes Dan Ryland in the office and he says, hey, Dan. And Dan doesn't speak. And he and he wastes a few moments, goes back later and say, Dan, what's going on? Myself and a couple of others saw you and you didn't speak. He was saying, well, I tried to get to my office because I know I had a lot of work to do. And he says, no, people are your work. People are your business. We would never be found accounted for in God's eyes as long as we think people are interrupting our time. Now, oh, it's quiet right there. Oh, it's quiet. I mean, it's quiet. Watch this. Hear me. Hear me good. I'll give you your way out. It takes wisdom and discernment to be able to know when someone has a need if it's a distraction or an interruption. But most of us, most of us, are just so self-centered and self-conscious we can't tell because we judge the opportunity to minister. Not on meeting their needs, but how good we feel. And it has to come from the natural response that God says, you got to meet the needs of somebody else. Mm -hmm. One of the things I'm working with um, in my household with my kids is this whole idea of when when you're asked to do something, stop saying, can I do it later? Stop saying, no, do it right now. Because if you struggle with procrastination, you can't keep saying, I'll get to it later. The act of immediacy is how you conquer procrastination. You got to learn how to just do it. This is why when you start, well, you can't do it now. You can't text. You can't text and drive, or at least you shouldn't be. <laughs> but it's like when you start thinking of somebody, just stop saying, I'll send an email later. Stop, send the text right then. Because God is trying to mature us to the place where serving is just natural; it's not an interruption. Now, okay, I ain't got time. Come on, guys. Don't look at me that tone of face. It's it's just not, it's just you serve because that's just who you are. Now let me give you number three. I'm golly. Am I making sense? Because see here, I know you're like, well, where do I fit in? Because where do, where's my ideal place to go? But God first, like. It doesn't matter if I tell you where to go if your attitude about ministry ain't right. Because I went, I grew up in a nice Baptist church, God bless their heart, but you can't be an usher and you don't like the people coming through the door. You know, you're looking for a seat, sit over there. Just sit over there. And then I used to hate the fact that they give you a fan, Martin Luther King on one side, the funeral home on the other side. The fan is bent. But watch this. The fan is bent and it don't work. But the ushers got the best fan. You anybody? Okay, maybe I'm the only one. You have been like the ushers got the best fan, and you like you trying to fan yourself, and they just they just are cool. They fan well. Know why? Because watch this. They're doing a ministry work, but they're absent because it wasn't about meeting the need of the people. Number three. This is why it extends beyond my main assignment. Ministry extends beyond my main assignment. Jesus acknowledges to them. He says, y'all call me Lord and teacher. Y'all call me Lord and teacher. And that's who I am. But I just gave you an act to follow. And if you do it, you will be blessed by. It. What was he telling them? Yes, I'm Lord. Yes, I'm teacher. Yes, I'm savior. But ministry ain't reduced nor is it restricted. To my primary passion oh that yes I'm Lord yes I'm teacher yes I'm Savior yes I'm Redeemer but ministry should never be reduced to your title that I can only serve based upon what I'm getting paid to do that I can only serve based upon what keeps me in the spotlight that I can only serve based upon what makes me comfortable he was like nah If I can be Lord and teacher and still wash your feet, then I'm telling you that ministry should be more than just one area of your life. Hear me. Watch this. We don't just serve in a position. But our position is to serve. Let me say it again. We don't just serve in a position, but our position is to serve. So I, that's why I can't say, you know, I, I, you know, God, God bless, you know, people who, you know, the, the guys who help me to make sure I, I'm straight mentally, emotionally and all this other stuff. Not only in church, but when I go other places, the will, the Thomas, the Nate and all and the elders and all the leaders to make sure we're good. But I can never get to the place where I, I pastor and pastor don't serve. Because when serving is beyond your title, you are disqualified from leading. Okay, man. No, no, no. And I'm, I'm, Hear me. When God, you know, they do stuff. They carry stuff. And I, and I appreciate This is why I, look, I have to find ways to serve. So PK and M- M- Melinda and some of the ladies went to the conference with Dr. Deanne and... And Apostle Billy Johnson was there for his wife because it's a women's conference, but he has to go work audio. Yeah, he has to drive the van for, you know, Dr. D and the other le- uh, ladies in the leadership position. is different things like that. And, and he was just like, where is where, where Roy? And she was like, he's back at the church. You know, he used to speak and do X, Y, Z. And Chris was like, I wish he was here. Um, you know, he could have been here with me. And he told her, if he was here, you know he would be serving. That warmed my heart more than if Roy's here, he's, he's preaching. If Roy's here, he's prophesying. It's, no, if he's here, I know he'll serve. What's the first thing come to mind about people when they think of you? Is it serving or to be served? Is it giver or consumer? See, see, one of the things that's always fascinating to me is that when I go to restaurants or places, and anything, but especially restaurants, oftentimes you can tell how weak people are by how they treat people who serve them. See, I, see you can tell, so so tell how insecure someone is because now that they're in a position of power, all of a sudden, send my meal back, I don't like it. And, you, and from afar you can go, That's a weak person. Not because they're not entitled to a good meal that they're paying for, but you can tell the disposition is now that the shoe's on the other foot. Let me flaunt. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You got to recognize you need to be so secure that you never exploit or take advantage of your position of power. Uh. Now, watch this. Jesus served, washed their feet. Um, give, me, give me about six, give me six minutes, Dougie Fresh, and I'll be done. Um, but how do you know that song? See, that's why I'm praying for you. Mark, I'm praying for you. you. Jesus, Jesus was so secure that he could do something that wasn't even his primary passion, primary position, because we got to be willing to serve in ways that make us uncomfortable or not even look our best. See, sometimes we don't want to serve because we're too conscious of what people are going to think about us. Because if you're like me, you can, you can be so conscious at times that if this don't make me look good, I don't want to do it. If they're going to keep me in the bed, But watch this. Is it about you looking good or is it about meeting the need? Now, I'm not saying you don't have skills, you don't do training. I'm saying it's a heart check first. Like, why am I really doing this? And so Jesus, for that moment, he was the slave and I found out in life, I love this. I need, wait, Danielle, this is, you can send this one out quick because you don't let me wait for anything else. God will prove us or qualify us to do more of what we're called to do and love to do by how we do what we may not like, what we have to do. See, okay, I need to say it, back it up, say it again. See... I know I'm teacher. This is Jesus. I know I'm teacher. I know I'm Lord, rightfully so. But I don't mind for this moment, for this season, for this occasion being a slave. I love to teach, love to preach, love to prophesy, love to sing. But I need you right now. I need you to fold clothes. I need you right now to take out the garbage, take out the trash. I need you to watch the kids. Nah they ain't my passion. They ain't my sweet part. They ain't my gift. They ain't my talent. They I, I need you to put an apron on and serve the people who are coming. But no, nah, that's not what I'm that nah, nah, ain't gonna make me look good. I just got my hair done, got my toes done. I, got the right, I ain't got the right shoes on. I can't no, nah, no. Nah, nah. I wanna do what I love to do, and here it is. God will prove us or qualify us to do more of what we're called to do or love to do by how we do what what me may not what we may not like to do. Or what we have to do or even asked to do in a certain season. Watch this. So some of you, you're sitting because you ain't going to serve until you get your best position. And what I mean by best position, I'm talking about till you find that which makes you more comfortable. Instead of God saying you can do what you love to do when I first can get you to do what you don't like to do. I didn't like ushering as a as a, as a youth at Second Missionary Baptist Church. I didn't like ushering as a youth, especially coming back in evening service. All the friends playing, and you at five o'clock, you want to be. We play football in the street. Oh, I'm sorry, we know you let the car. No, the cars were an interruption to the game. Like we, you know, you like, anybody grew up like that? I mean, you and you did stuff. and These kids right now ain't got a testimony. I mean, it's like you know, you used to get mad at the car coming down while you playing in the street. We wanted to play, but I, I'm at the church. I'm in there doing, I'm ushering for 30 older folks. These same 30 folks we just saw in the morning. Why we got to come back and do communion in the afternoon? You should have just served. it. We got to usher. And I didn't like standing on the wall doing that. But what I recognized over the course of time, when I look back over my life, God said, you know what? I can let you do what you love to do because of your attitude on how you had to do stuff that you didn't like to do. How do you serve your wife when she can't give you anything in return? See? How do you serve your kids when they can't give you anything? How do you serve people on your job? when? Okay, watch this. Here you go. Let me get this last one because it goes right into it. It excludes no person from my life. excludes no person from my life. I know I'm, I'm going. I'm going. Bad. I was trying to get this done quickly. It excludes no person. When Jesus washed Judah's feet, he was fully aware that Jesus was, being full, was full of the devil. But it did not stop him from washing Judas' feet. When he washed Judas' feet, he knew Judas was full of the devil. <laughs> hear me, hear me. Ministry never allows us to control who we serve, but we're always in control of how we serve. Ministry never allows us to control who we serve, but we're always in control of how we serve. So, to avoid missing in action at church, at home, in your job, to avoid being MIA and to be found present by God's standards so that He can bless and reward us, watch this. I got to accept even the dirtiest people in my life, God expects me to serve them with excellence and humility. Even the most hateful people, God expects me to serve them with excellence and humility. Even the most racist person, God says, serve them with excellence. Even the person I know is out to do me the most harm, God says, wash their feet. That you don't get the option to decide and pick and choose who you serve. And watch this, and here's God's disposition. Before I judge the person that's serving, that you have to serve, I'll judge your attitude before I judge them. Okay, y'all missed it. Let me go over here. Before I judge the condition of their heart being wicked and satanic, I'll judge you because I'm holding you accountable because you got my heart. Because you know more, watch this, you know what I want more than them. So, so he expects it because God blesses us, blesses us and rewards us the most when we're not trying to serve only the people and serve only in places that would give us something in return. Yeah. That's, that's everybody. The most dirtiest feet, God says, wash them. Clean them with your words, with your attitude. Do it. When my, when my, I'm, I'm way over time, but I... Three pregnancies, each one high-risk pregnancy, incompetent cervix. The moment she finds out, PK find out that she was pregnant with Ryan, with Tyler, with Reagan, immediately her body would go into labor. So each pregnancy was high-risk. So each pregnancy is a surclodge because her cervix was considered incompetent. So you have to keep the baby in the womb to grow from day one. And the first rule, (laughs) her her OBY, Dr. Jeffrey Marcus, he's making this this tape, would be like, Roy, you can't touch her. She can't be aroused. She can't be stimulated. I say, well, she in trouble walking around with this right here, him. I ain't going to touch her, but can you imagine when she look over, she in trouble. (laughs) Like, she, she got it hard then. And he said, you can't arouse you can't touch her. Now watch this. So how do I serve a wife whose body is scripturally mine, but now I got to wrestle with the decision? Do I jeopardize an unborn child to gratify a need that's gonna pass? And so in those moments, you can't give me nothing in return, not in, in what they would call man's greatest need, a sexual fulfillment. You can't do nothing in return for me for almost nine months. But that don't change my serving of you. That don't change, that, What do you need? And she's bedridden. So you can't even shower at certain times every day. But that's all right i'll go upstairs i'll go downstairs i'll bring you whatever you need i'll set you up in the morning give you everything that can hold you and sustain you for a couple of hours then come back and check on you with nothing in return you want to know why because serving was never compartmentalized in my heart to just get something in return now i'm, I'm not i'm not tooting my horn i'm saying for many of us That happens through what we call in leadership training school, LTS, 21 days, getting up 5 o'clock in the morning, learning how to seek God early. Going through, it was called for me by uh, Bishop Wellington Boone, it's called worm training. It's called in Psalm 22, if you step on a worm, it dies. You step on a snake, it strikes back. Which one are you? When you stepped on, do you serve or do you strike back? And that's where we're going. Because I don't want none of us to be found missing. It is quiet, right? Here. Am I all right, Sherry? And And remember, I'm not talking about just your ministry in church. I'm talking about every area of your life you and I serve. Why you won't pick up paper on the floor at your job? You leaving it for somebody else to do? Waiting on the janitor? But I thought you were the servant. Why if if you know two of y'all are going to the break room, you can't just bring back a cup of coffee for that person? Why can't you be the one in the neighborhood that do something nice for the neighbor next to the side? Why is everybody else always checking on you and you won't check on nobody else? It's the attitude of service. In marriage, in family, in ministry, we don't want to be missing in action. Here's your big so what. Because Jesus served, I serve. Because Jesus served, I serve. And your take-home challenge this week, this week I will intentionally serve and increase my serving in three ways. You're going to do it at home, in church, at work, or it should be in three areas. Through those three areas, I want you to find the way to intentionally increase how you're going to serve. So for me, I know one of them. I've been lax on helping to clean the house. So I know this week I need to step up cleaning. I don't need y'all to send me a text and email to remind me. <laughs> Pastor, how are you doing with the cleaning? All right. Don't, so, yeah, everybody, if you get that message on my phone, sorry, I can't talk to you right now. <laughs> but finally, how are you going to intentionally increase in serving in ministry? And, I, and, and there, there's no guilt for nobody. If you're here and you're saying, you know what, I'm not serving in ministry. I just haven't found. It's no guilt. It's no judgment. It's no condemnation. It's just a heart check to say, don't wait for perfect conditions. There's something you can do. Gary, we're about to host the reconciliation ministries. We got... Um, so far i think they confirmed i'm looking at sherry that 75 pastors and leaders confirmed to come down in october the 20th, 20th 21st 22nd 23rd monday night mon- um, tuesday morning tuesday night wednesday morning wednesday night if you can take off and help serve that's good if not Definitely be here for the services because they're going to be geared to refreshing those who are active in ministry or just believers. But there's, there are a lot of things you can do. There's never a reason not to serve. Never. Never. See, okay. I said there's never a reason not to serve. You are never. I Okay, let me tell you. We are never authorizing God's eyes to withhold the opportunity to do good and bless somebody else just because we don't feel like it? Never. Because Proverbs says, when it's in your ability to do good, do good. And this is how you think about serving. Do I want God to serve me like I serve others? Not just at church, but every area of my life. Look at your neighbor and say, Lord, help me. Uh-huh. No condemnation. Let's pray. Father, I just pray, first and foremost, no condemnation to none of us, because you're not the author of condemnation, but I pray that you would give us hearts of servant, of servants, that we would not compartmentalize serving to just something that we do in a church, but that through attitude and actions of serving, that we would carry. The revelation that we're here to meet a need at home, on our job, in our neighborhood, coaching kids, volunteering, in the boardroom, in the conference room. That we'll always know that wherever your will takes us, at any moment, at any season, at any part of the day, our first thought is who can we bless? How can we bless them? So on this day, as your son Jesus did in Philippians, we make no reputation of ourselves. We take on the form of a servant and we become obedient to you, even death on the cross, meaning even to the place that we recognize it's not about us, it's all about you. And I thank you that in serving others, our needs will get met because we reap what we sow. So as we serve others, I thank you that you would lay lay our need on somebody else's heart and they come and be an instrument to bless us and to build us. So forgive us for serving by feelings as opposed to being influenced by your love. As husbands, help us to be better servants of our wives, to clean them, sanctify them from every spot or wrinkle by our word. As wives... Help us to be better servants to our husbands. To trust them, to not second-guess them, to not sow seeds of mistrust. To not do the things that cause there to be suspicion, guessing, and wondering. As friends, help us to always serve each other and keep each other in the best position to be transformed by you. Bring people on the scene of our heart and to the top of our mind this week in all sectors of our lives that we can bless the person on our job that we have uttered in our heart we can't stand this week god help us to serve them as scripture says reap coals of fire on their head because we're not doing what they expect us to. they expect us to curse them they expect us to avoid them they expect us to hate them they expect us to not to even want to be with them but may the love of god show forth in our heart this week let us serve them Because we know their anger and their hatred is only a sign of how bad they're hurting. And you may have us in their lives to be an instrument to reach them for Jesus. We bless you and we love you. Thank you for listening. I pray you enjoyed today's teaching. Let's keep in touch by subscribing to the Discover You podcast. Be blessed.